0: We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts, and of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Hello, hello. Um, We've been absent for, oh my gosh, a few weeks. Okay, like three weeks. Um, It's been a crazy holiday season, of course, all good things. But, um, oh, I feel terrible when I miss weeks of the podcast because we have so many cool people, lots of knowledge to drop on everybody. So I hate when we drop the ball and don't stay on top of our recording schedule. But you are in for such a treat today. Um, today's episode, as we head into into a new year, a new decade we're speaking with an incredibly huge company. Um, You may have heard of them. They're called Accenture. Um, It is a worldwide company that has also been in the news a lot for um, really embracing and taking on influencer marketing. Um, So I've been dying to get these folks in the room for a while now, and I'm really excited for you to hear a lot about what they've been working on. It's companies like these that are paving the way for, um, companies like mine, small companies like mine that want to grow and companies like yours and companies, um, that haven't even started yet. So, um, it's really, really exciting to see when, um, these companies, uh, like Accenture are just diving right into influencer marketing. So without further ado, um, cheers to a new year, a new decade, a new you stay inspired, keep in touch with everybody in the community of WIM. Um, we had such a strong 2019, um, keep an eye out for our year in review newsletter that will be released before the end of the year. If you're not a part of our newsletter, definitely sign up. It's I join. And once you've signed up there, you'll be Part of our mailing list. We look forward to so many incredible things in a new year, but most importantly, um, take some time off. Enjoy. You all work so hard. We work our butts off, and uh, we deserve a little relaxation as well. So um, enjoy this episode. Digital marketing director Eleanor Antonacci has been leading social and influencer marketing strategy at MXM, a content studio within Accenture Interactive since 2016. Her expertise is rooted in retail and CPG, but she's also worked in hospitality, tourism, healthcare, and nonprofit as well. Wynn Turner, our first male guest on the podcast, is the digital marketing senior analyst. He joined MXM Accenture Interactive in 2018, contributing strategy and managing influencer campaigns for a major family CPG brand that he will mention on the podcast today. So welcome, welcome, guys. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's great to have you guys here.
1: It's good to be here. Yeah,
2: great to be here.
0: Thank you. Um, So, in the uh, in the house today, (laughs) in the house today, we have a couple wonderful people um, that we've known for quite a while, um, doing some really, really incredible work at a company called Accenture. Um, We heard a little bit about each of you guys in the beginning intro of this podcast. But I think it's great to just hear in your own words a little bit about you individually and your journey to influencer marketing. All of us come to influencer marketing from very, very different backgrounds. Like, I feel like no two paths are the same. So, uh, Wyn, I don't know, why don't we start with you? I'd love to hear your path to influencer marketing.
1: Sure. Um, So, my path here has been a little bit accidental um, as, you know, I think, is sometimes common in the influencer space. Um, I am pretty fresh out of school. I graduated in 2018 from uh, NYU, where I got actually a finance degree. So coming into marketing and influencer marketing at that was all new to me. Um, since then, though, I've you know been working closely with Eleanor and the awesome team at MXM within Accenture Interactive. And have had the opportunity to really learn the influencer space from the ground up, as well as uh, just broader social marketing. And I think being able to learn those in tandem has really helped um, cement my knowledge of influencer marketing. Um, And it's been a great starting point. So I'm excited to see um, what else there is down the career path for me.
0: Totally. And I can speak personally, like having someone in the room with the finance background that you do, like, People like me appreciate people like you, because I do not have that background. So what specifically in finance did you study? I I, I did not have, you know, any finance classes in college. Like, what does that look like?
1: Um, It's very analytical. I mean, and a finance degree can go towards a lot of different things. Um, You know, you'll hear a lot about um, investment banking and the uh, 80-hour work weeks, you know, crunching numbers and forecasting Um, you know stocks and bond performance and all sorts of crazy stuff and that's um, you know one perfectly respectable career path Uh, within it for myself I really found just that I enjoyed the analytical side of everything Um, you know I enjoy getting nitty-gritty in Excel um, but maybe not for some of those super uh, you know heavy banking purposes Um, there's not as much of a personal connection in the work you're doing there so I think that's why I've really found uh, that finance is a good background for what I'm doing now in marketing. It really gives a lot of that analytical thinking that you need, that mindset. Um, It it carries over in the sense that you can analyze pictures holistically and and business problems holistically. And uh, all of those, I think, have been really beneficial in just bringing a sense of uh, order in a way to an industry and a business that isn't always as organized. Yeah. So...
0: I appreciate that (laughs) a lot, a lot. And so what
2: about you, Eleanor? How did you find your way to influencer marketing? So like when um, I started in a business undergrad, thought I was going to do finance, but uh, soon realized that was not for me. Um, Found marketing classes, loved them, continued um, in a business administration track. Um, I have my MBA as well. So, um, you know, I've taken so many marketing classes. And through college, I was given um, amazing resources to find internships. And I started to stumble upon a lot of internships in social media. Now, at the time, social media really wasn't a career path that people were were thinking of, right? If you told me I was going to have a job, um, wholly based around Facebook at one point. You know, I I would have said you're you're crazy, right? That's not a career path. Um, but I started interning with an event planner, um, handling social for her. I interned with iHeartMedia, Media, which was Clear Channel Communications at the time, as well as some some other opportunities with um, within the university. So fresh out of school, I found um, a position with an organization very close to my heart, the American Cancer Society, and they brought me on in a new social media position, uh, which was temporary for the Making Strides walk in October. Um, but that's really my, my first um, experience uh, in the workplace. So from there, I moved on to a boutique PR and marketing firm um, in the uh, capital region of upstate New York, which is a really unique region. Um, You know, you think of the Albany area as the state capital, maybe big city, but um, it's like a a combination of cities, uh, Albany, Schenectady, Troy, Saratoga, um, with a very like hometown feel. Now, coming from New York City, it was a very different experience for me, Um, but I worked for such a small marketing firm. um, I was the first person brought on to head up social media. And at one point or another, I touched every client that uh, the firm had. So it was an incredible experience for a young person. All of the clients wanted to speak to me, you know, the young uh really social hip, you know, they thought I was super cool, which was great at the time. But, you know, I learned a ton. Um, I was able to plan and execute campaigns on my own at 23. Um, and I was a respectable voice, you know, at the agency. So, um, you know, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. But then I realized, you know, it, it wasn't home to me. New York City is home. I had to move back. I started graduate school. Um, I came and started with an MXM, which was at the time under a different parent company. And now uh, we are part of the greater Accenture Interactive family. Um, So I've been there for over three years now. I've progressed in my role. Um, I've worked on uh, quite a few different accounts and new business projects. And now I am leading social and influencer marketing projects for the agency. So cool. I mean, you guys have such different
0: backgrounds, but there's definitely been some similarities there. And also interesting that you both have the backgrounds that you do and have found your way to working for MXM, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Within Accenture. Um, how many people are you guys? We're a few hundred. Mm-hmm. And so like even a few hundred people listening to this podcast are like, mm-hmm. that's a huge company. But I mean, for those of us who, for those people who are listening, who don't necessarily know what Accenture is, I'm very familiar with them. What, How would you describe Accenture to give people the broad scope of what Accenture even is?
1: Sure. Um, Accenture is huge. It's lovingly our mothership. Um, you know, we are a team of Close to half a million employees worldwide, mostly in pretty traditional fields like um, consulting, staff augmentation, operations, technology, and now more within the last couple of years, really building out Accenture Digital, which within digital, there's a million different, uh, you know, sub trees there. Um, we fall into Accenture Interactive, which is really focused on uh, emerging technologies and emerging experience-based marketing and the many creative ways that we can use marketing strategies to solve a business problem. So within Accenture Interactive, we may be on the MXM team, but there are many other uh, you know, similar-sized teams that have Uh, you know, very distinct capabilities, very distinct uh, cultures. And that's the exciting part of what we're getting to do now is as we are, um, you know, joining the Accenture Interactive family, really getting to learn from and work closer with um, so many different talented people.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's what I think of when I hear Accenture, you know, that many, it's like a huge mothership to use your Mm -hmm. term. I mean, you guys probably have offices all over the world, Mm -hmm. like really touching so many different Parts of like so many different types of people and so many different parts of the world. So it's really cool and very unique to hear that a company of that size has really embraced influencer marketing um, because in my mind of like the resources that you guys have at your disposal, the amount of not like, combined knowledge that you guys have at your fingertips, mm-hmm. considering, you know, the brilliant minds that work at Accenture. Um, so you know, based on the backgrounds that you guys individually have, like Eleanor, tell me a little bit about, you know, how working for such a large company compares to some of a a smaller company that you had worked with prior.
2: Yeah. So at Accenture, um, I love that there's always someone who's an expert in one particular thing. And, you know, there's someone on the team who has knowledge and experience within one particular vertical. So for me, um, within our smaller team, it's retail. Um, I've been working with a Walmart client for quite a few years now. Um, You know, I'm pretty well-versed in paid media, but there's lots of people on the team who, you know, have different expertise that we can always turn to. Um, Accenture is very much invested in learning opportunities for the team. You know, we have so many great training resources online and in-person. You know, we have employee groups um, that we all participate in, and we we share out our knowledge. So, Wynn and I are constantly, you know, um, sharing our influencer marketing knowledge through decks and presentations. Um, so, while the entire social team doesn't work in influencer, um, everybody's trained up to, you know, be able to speak to influencer marketing in a smart way if approached by their clients.
0: I love that. And like, what do you find that, you know, I'm sure you've gotten feedback based on these presentations and decks. Like, what do you think people admire the most internally about the work that you're doing or find the most interesting about the work that you're doing as compared to, you know, they work in social but in in a different capacity?
2: So our colleagues know what influencers do and who they are. But, you know, they're always very surprised about how much work goes into influencer marketing on the back end. We're, you know, reaching out to influencers and planning campaigns in a very strategic way. Um, We plan creative with the influencers, um, you know, and we really invest our time in forging relationships and key partnerships. Uh, some people may think that influencer marketing is largely working with talent, sending them product and being on your way. But it's it's really strategic. And I think a lot of our um, social colleagues do recognize that, but they're always surprised to hear how much we are doing.
0: Well, they're the probably, end. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can imagine that they're kind of surprised to hear, you know, also like even the learnings that you guys take. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure like, Every campaign that you do, you take something from it. Uh, there's no guidebook to any of this stuff at all. And then you, you know learn from it and you implement it, hopefully, in every subsequent um, partnership that you are working on. So what have been some of the key learnings that you've taken from past partnerships that you would absolutely recommend putting into future partnerships? I'll let either one of you chime in on that one.
1: That takes me to a few different things. I mean, I think any campaign is a great learning opportunity. We're taking everything into the next campaign in a way. Um, I think to build a little bit on what Eleanor was saying about things that impress our, our team, I um, One thing that we always find interesting is to, of course, analyze the results of a campaign afterwards and see not only how that's done in comparison to our past influencer work, but in comparison to the traditional social we may be working on for that client. And I think it's been interesting in the past to see times where influencer content has been outperforming branded content. I think that's been something that's interesting, not just to our team, but to our clients especially. I think in general, the thing that we try to learn from the most uh, campaign over campaign or, or initiative over initiative is the relationship. And I think in a business like Influencer, where so much of it is person to person based, and it is about the connection you have with the person whose content you're looking at, you need to make sure that that connection carries over on the Influencer and agency and brand side as well. So we make sure that as a campaign is wrapping, we as a team know who we've had a great relationship with on that project, who maybe is not the best person to work with for whatever reason that may be, and continuing to foster those positive relationships with the right people so that we can include them in the process at different times, we can have people ready to go when we know we have an urgent need or something, and at the end of the day, all that really does is enables us to deliver more reliable results to the client, but also deliver a more authentic connection for the audience that has been following that influencer and that person.
0: And I can only imagine that a brand that signs on to work with your company is really looking for a high level of of workmanship, a high level, you know, quality product um, as the end result of a campaign. Um, I can only imagine that brands that come to a company like yours is really expecting a high quality work product, a really, you know, high performing campaign you know they come to you guys as experts you know you're not a small company and you come to the table with so much expertise and i really appreciate the level that you're analyzing the results of these campaigns you guys have both spoken about that quite a bit so my question is what are you analyzing like but like what metrics are you using
2: to analyze that's the better question so ideally we would always have sales data Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, in most cases that doesn't come. Mm -hmm. So we're measuring a few KPIs, one being engagement, right? We're partnering with influencers, speaking to their audiences, and we want them fostering communication and conversation among their audiences. So, you know, not just likes. And we've seen, you know, Instagram coming out with the removal of likes, um, but comments and swipes up, of course, driving traffic. Um, sometimes it's video views. So we're really looking at the program holistically. Another great KPI we measure is cost per content piece. So for one of our clients, when we were looking at the cost of influencers and and our strategy, and we started to see influencer rates increase over the last few years, especially over the last year, um, You know, how did we attach value to our influencer program? And for one of our clients, they largely rely on influencer content to fuel their social channels. So we looked at the cost per content piece that each of our influencers was producing um, against the cost per content piece that uh, was brand creative shot in studio. And what we found was that influencer content um, is coming in at a fraction, a very, very small fraction of the price that the in studio creative was costing, and the client was pleasantly surprised. You know, you know, she always knew what she was spending on the program, but really, when you take a close look at that metric, and you know, you look at how much money you might be spending on content elsewhere, then you look at how great our influencer content performs um, on that brand's social channels. It's it's really a win.
0: So, talk to me about a little bit of who are some of the brands that you guys work with. I'm a bit familiar with them, of course, but tell everybody listening what are the different brands that you guys uh, are partnering up with? Sure.
1: Um, My primary client uh, is in the uh, retail and CBG space as well. I work on uh, influencer campaigns for Mattel's family of brands, uh, which includes Barbie, Polly Pockets, uh, Fisher Price, and so on. Many of those, you know, early childhood household names. Um, so in the context of what we do, our influencer programs are not so much uh, built into the larger social strategy. Um, we do, however, put a huge, huge focus on the measurement of our campaigns at each wrap and then improving that performance project over project. So it's not quite as, we don't have the same points of comparison that um, that all clients do but we can still measure some great results um, in engagements and so on.
2: So then my largest client is Better Homes and Gardens at Walmart. Um, I've been on this account for over three years now and you know we've grown it so much um, since I stepped in and um, since my predecessors, It's it's been a long-running program um, and a great client for us in terms of partnership. Um, so we actually have an always on approach with influencer marketing with this particular client. Um, they are largely invested in influencer marketing. Um, they truly see the value in working with influencers from many different perspectives, right? So you know, as influencers and leveraging their their reach and their audiences, and having the influencers as personalities, Um, We've incorporated influencers into live stream events before um, as both participants and, you know, active tweeter communities. Um, We've had them come to meet with editors um, to participate in events, you know, with the editors and with other influencers as well as brand ambassadors. Um, We've sent them out into Walmart stores um, to really show the shopping experience. Um, And we've leveraged their content, you know, across not only digital properties, but also in print. So in Better Homes and Gardens magazine, in the Better Homes and Gardens at Walmart catalog. Um, So, you know, we have these great influencers that we also leverage as brand ambassadors. And we have a group of women right now, um, but they really are very loyal to the brand. Um, many of them have been long-term partners of the brand. So we've really forged our relationship over the last few years. Um, it's really mutually beneficial. We're, we're always um, you know, striving to be the best partner as we can be. Um, provide them as many opportunities as we can like exclusive events and you know wherever we can connect them um, with BHG editors they they really see value in that Um, and we also repurpose their content um, across editorial properties online on bhg.com so there's there's a really robust program there
0: So interesting. I mean, to hear, I'm sure there's probably some sort of crossover between the types of influencers that each of you work on Mm -hmm. uh, or work with, but um, there's definitely some distinctions as well. Um, I think it's a really interesting topic to talk about more of like a brand ambassadorship versus Mm -hmm. like these one-offs here and there. Um, I, you know, I don't know, I've spoken with some influencers lately about, you know, that exact thing Um, obviously their preference usually is to work as a brand ambassador and for a variety of different reasons a couple being you know it just feels more authentic if you're Mm -hmm. constantly talking about a brand versus like out of nowhere it pops up and it says hashtag ad at the end of it right they're all gonna say hashtag ad or you know there's been new FTC guidelines released so maybe just without the hashtag but maybe just add Um, and you'll have the brand name listed Um, but it's so interesting to hear that the brands that really embrace that as well Um, so let's dig into that a little bit more even within and amongst your ambassadors that are working with you currently what it who who really stands out and
2: why does that influencer really set themselves apart I think the influencers who get the most excited about you know not only the products but the season some influencers who we've been working with for a few years get super, super excited for the holiday season. They know when they're going into Walmart to check out the new products. Um, We try to send them new products um, in advance of launch so that they can, you know, start to see what's going to be on the line. Um, They can test out the products before anyone else has availability to get them. Um, Also, you'd be surprised at how Excited people get about candles, <laughs> seasonal candles. So we're always shipping. I'm one them of those people. Can-
0: are you? Do you like I'm candles? You're not. You you not? Like I appreciate oh, I your honesty. <laughs> are you okay? Do. What's? Do you have a favorite scent of candle that you find yourself getting?
1: Um, anything pine or Christmas tree this time oh, of year is my favorite.
0: That's a good one. I'm like a beach person myself. So any of those, or like vanilla is a really good go-to. Vanilla is hard to beat. Yeah. Right. Okay. I I took this off on a tangent. So you'd be surprised how many people like
2: candles and appreciate yeah. candles at Walmart. And then, as far as you know, what else um, really sets influencers apart is is the communication. Right. We we we're very busy people, all of us, and the the ability to communicate well and even over communicate sometimes is really appreciated um, on our parts because we. We're, we're sort of the liaison, right, between the influencer and the brand. And when the brand is asking us questions and we need a timely response from the influencer, you know, we definitely need uh, open communication and dialogue. And it's really helpful. Um, things happen in life. And when influencers can communicate that maybe their project will be late or they don't Understand the instructions and would like some clarity, it's great to jump on the phone and talk more about that. And these are the influencers that we continue to partner with and forge long-term relationships with so
0: open communication, you know, really being enthusiastic. I mean, those are really, really great tips and pieces of advice for sure. And what's the longest ambassadorship that you guys have implemented? Did you say a few years? That like wow, that's
2: Um, huge. I'm not sure exactly, but I think we we have an influencer partner who's been with us for around five years now. Wow, that's
0: huge. Mm-hmm. That's really huge. I mean, uh, that's rare too. And so, yeah, I mean, what is that experience like? Because I can, sh- I, I imagine even when, you know, you're do you guys do ambassadorships? Have you done them yet with Mattel brands?
1: Not so formally. We do have, uh, you know, repeat partners mm-hmm. who are known VIPs, so to speak, for the brand. Um, you know, people that they've loved working with and that we have worked with on their behalf as well at different times. So we have a solid base of people who are not necessarily formally ambassadors exactly, but um, they're trusted partners. We know the kind of quality work they create and the kind of a relationship we can expect with them or their team and so we do continue to go back to those repeat partners and that is where we tend to see the best results
0: and I'm sure there are benefits to both you know because I mean over the course of five years that's a very long time I mean people their content I can imagine has definitely changed over right. five years and you know that person as a professional like maybe they had a kid within five years or so and maybe they're not focusing as much on this or maybe their kid grew up and now they can focus more on this so there's there's definitely a lot of life changes that can happen. So I'm sure there are benefits to each. Um, do you guys feel like you have the opportunity to speak to other brands about, um, your experience, uh, with a brand prior and, you know, advice that you can give them and strategy that you can provide them in order to have future partnerships, uh, go better and even, and even more strong than ones past?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with each client or each project, there will be different challenges, different business needs they're trying to solve for. But no matter what that may be, uh, to speak to our conversation earlier, every influencer campaign, there is something we're learning from. There is something, some new learning that we can take and do better next time. Um, So whatever the new client may be looking for, Um, you know, we're able to recommend a bespoke, unique solution for them, um, whether that is influencer solely or influencer is a part of that. Um, But I think it really just depends on what the client may be looking for.
0: And let's talk about some fun use cases. So whether it's with either of your clients, I'd love to hear what's an example of like you've completed a partnership and you're like, this went so well, like I want to repeat something, whether it was, you know, a small part of it that just like really uh, set things off well, or if it was just, you know, a a bigger idea um, that, you know, incorporating many influencers was just very well executed. What are some of those highlight partnerships that come to mind?
1: I mean, a few, a few come to mind because every campaign and influencer is unique and fun in its own way. Um, But I think the things that really stand out to me are um, a, a very fun campaign we did for the 60th anniversary of Barbie. Um, So we did this back in, what, March of this past year, 19, Um, and it just so happened that Barbie's 60th birthday, quote-unquote, fell in line with International Women's Day. Um, So it was a really great opportunity to highlight all of the positive work that Mattel and Barbie are doing to empower girls around the world and how imaginative play um, encourages that. In addition to that messaging, I think the event was just so unique because we got to see that excitement up close, not just, you know, from our POV, the agency seeing the influencers come in person and get excited about the brand that we've partnered them with. that That's one thing, but getting to see the connection that the influencer is making with their audience up close, because in real time, as the influencers are creating awesome stories from this Barbie, you know, party, essentially, it's like a, like a pop-up event. Um, then within a couple hours, the influencers' followers are coming out to the pop-up shop lining up around the corner and uh, just to see the effect that it has that personal connection and that trust to make someone say oh wow I want to do that I'm going to check that out um, I think was really really impactful you don't always get to see the impact of uh, you know that that connection that influencer marketing makes Um, so I think all around, um, whether it's the messaging that we've been able to push with Barbie or some of those really unique types of activations, um, I I think have been some highlights and things we'll, we'll look forward to um, you know, trying again with different clients and different projects down the line. Yeah, that
0: one sounds like kind of a perfect storm of like great messaging, like a 60th anniversary coming together, like International Women's Day, but also like an in real life opportunity. Um, and plus, like parents are always wanting to take their kids to something, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's like an instantaneous conversion. Um, so they're, you know, going to see a piece of content and be like, oh my gosh, it's this weekend. Like it's something that the parents can appreciate as like a nostalgia piece and then their kids will just be able to have so much fun. They probably feel like all the feels, you know, (laughs) like in exposing their kids to, you know, the revamped Barbie. Um, So that sounds like a kind of a perfect storm. But interesting to hear that it's a real life event, like an in real life, an in-person event. um, That And obviously something that you can easily track part of that conversion to be able to see like well how many tickets did we sell like how packed was this event um so really interesting all around and what about you Eleanor like what are some what's a a partnership that really maybe stands out in your mind as being particularly successful
2: so I would say we're always testing and learning um so you know with some of our retail clients and our CPG clients we're we're able to maybe test campaign ideas and different platform features on a smaller scale and then roll those out to larger campaigns. We do a lot of paid testing with influencer content. Um, we we leverage content in different ways across paid, across different platforms, um, using different platform features. So one of the activations that um, comes to my mind and uh, it's something that MXM had done a little bit before I, my time and I jumped into at uh, the back end of the activation. But again, Accenture Interactive is um, very experiential. Um, so we're always creating custom experiences for consumers and you know, leveraging influencers to be our partners in that. So our Better Homes and Gardens client... Um, Flew all of our influencers, now at the time this was 30 plus in a network, an ongoing network, to Des Moines, Iowa, to the meredith corporation headquarters and had the influencers um, interacting with the editors doing diy projects um, you know really showcasing their skills in the home space styling sets um, which the brand then shot with professional photographers and used across social um, in many different ways so we did an event recap the influencers shared um, which at the time, this was 2016, there there was no Instagram stories at the time. Um, you know, our, our program is largely Facebook and Twitter, um, but we were able to, you know, leverage the content uh, with branded pins and step-by-step DIYs that are highly saved on Pinterest. So, you know, it, it sort of created content that one wouldn't expect from such such an event and such an experience with a a large group of influencers. Um, And that campaign, um, which was shot in July, Christmas in July, and then um, posted on the brands and influencers' social channels closer to the holiday season, really resonated with the audience. And the relatability, I think, of our influencers um, says a lot. Um, You know, we, we work with influencers who model the Walmart consumer And with, you know, the Better Homes and Gardens brand, um, their products are sold in over 3,000 Walmart stores across the country. Um, So while some of us, myself included, have a very urban New York City mindset, um, I think that was actually one of my my biggest learnings too, was how do we relate with our female consumers in the Midwest? Um, you know, we're, we're talking to a different audience and, and talking to maybe um, younger consumers than we would in, in other markets. So we're always trying to to learn and, and grow from, from these experiences. I love that so much
0: because I feel like You know, even in influencer marketing, when they're looking, when brands are looking for influencers influencers tend to be in larger cities and in those pockets and I appreciate a good request that's looking for someone outside of those major markets Um, because so many of the followers whether maybe it's somebody who follows one someone in that major market they're not in that major market Mm -hmm. necessarily like they're in Des Moines Iowa Mm -hmm. they're in you know fill in the blank state um, in the Midwest or in the South or where have you Um, and that's really important to keep in mind And I think that even from a creative perspective, whether Mm -hmm. it's the influencer themselves or the agency on the brand's behalf, to just always keep that in mind of that's who we're reaching, like that's who we're targeting and that's who we're doing this all for essentially. Um, So just to think more broadly and inclusively because Mm -hmm. that's the reality of of who's who's viewing this content, who it's all for. if you could give any advice to people listening to this podcast in regards to um, broadening their way of thinking in, in, in terms of influencer marketing, what would you tell them? It's a very big question, but I want to I want to make it big on purpose to just broaden their way of thinking. What would you What would you suggest?
2: I would say most. Um, people, you know, think of influencer marketing as celebrity marketing, right? Um, and you know, a lot of our great success has come from partnering with micro influencers, um, for people who, you know, have influence, maybe not a huge reach, um, but you know, there there are people with maybe smaller, more connected audiences, um, and you know, they're producing this authentic content that you know is resonating better with their audience and. Could possibly drive much more ROI for some of our clients. So, you know, people outside of the industry probably don't always realize that um, an influencer program could not include a celebrity at all, and many do. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, I think that's great advice. What about you, Win? What would you, what would you suggest to people listening that would help them think a little bit more broadly?
1: That that question takes me back to you know what is influencer added space it's a connection between someone with a large following and the people that are following them you know there has to be something that makes you stop and and look at this person's content um you know even though you know that they have a couple hundred thousand followers at least you're never going to know them in real life but something connects you to them um so i think in that sense it's in broadening the scope of influencer comes from you know finding other places that that type of relationship is valuable so when is that connection going to be valuable it's not just when a brand, you know, wants 500,000 people to see this new product on X date for X sales goal, um, it's worked into their messaging at all times. It's worked into their content strategy at all times. Um, So I think some of what Eleanor has talked about, for example, working influencers into the creative process and working their content into the brand's creative strategy is a great way to sort of broaden the scope of what influencer can be. Um, I think more and more we're starting to see influencer move into that experiential space. Um, influencers are being called on not just for the big celebrity events, but also for, um, you know, small or more intimate events, whether it's the Barbie 60 event I was describing or um, other in-person experiential short-term pop-up type things. I I think there's a lot of ways to um, you know, bring influencers offline and into real life to make that connection more tangible through everything a brand is communicating, whether it comes from the brand's mouth or the influencers.
0: And now that we're, this is the last episode of the year um, and we're all, everyone's sort of thinking ahead to 2020. It's the end of 2019. It's literally the end of a decade, not even just a year. So what would you guys like to see be different in 2020,
2: I'd like to see the um, inauthentic influencer posts um, go away. <laughs> Honestly, I think you know consumers are smart, and when we're creating more authentic experiences, um, they they really resonate with the audience, and the audience will get turned off um, by influencers who and and even celebrities who just post. To post and post just to make money. Um, so the influencers who, let's say, pose with a product um, don't show themselves using the product and don't show loyalty to the products. Um, you know, I hope and I do expect that a lot of that sort of content will will disappear. What about you, Wen?
1: Well, completely second that. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is quite its own thing or. or partially the same. But in terms of that, I'd I'd like to see influencer move away so much from the product focus um, or the brand focus and really get back to the messaging. Um, Because I think when influencers are talking about a brand or a product in the context of that messaging or that brand purpose that they really identify with, that's what's going to make the biggest impact. Um, I think that kind of connection is more valuable than any awareness you would get of somebody holding a, a box of skin cleanser. Um, it, it comes down to people are looking for a connection, but they're also looking for brands that um, you know, resonate with them and have shared purpose. Um, and so I think as we head even more into that social mindset, that's what we're going to need to see from influencer content.
0: I can relate to that. Like, I think it's important for us to just take off our work hats for a second. And just like as a, as I'm scrolling on Instagram and so I'm like looking through YouTube, you know, what do I want to see more or less of? And I agree with both of you guys just personally. Um, I think that, you know, sort of filtering those things out and just bringing it back to what makes us feel good as people, like that's also advertising at its core is feel good content and feel good is authentic or else it would feel inauthentic it wouldn't feel so good and just getting back to messaging and not this like in your face like I'm a stupid consumer I'm a smart consumer there are a lot of smart consumers out there to your point too and Um, Oh, I agree with you both. Those are really, really good points. Mm -hmm. Um, So we ask everybody this question on the podcast and I'm so excited to hear both of your answers today. Um, What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or personal advantage today?
2: I wish that someone um, had told me to stand up for myself more. I think as a young person entering the workplace, you know, you don't have as much confidence to state your needs and your wants. And, you know, in past uh, roles, I I felt as though I wasn't valued at times. Um, I felt as though I wasn't paid appropriately. But I didn't have the confidence to say anything about that. And, you know, I picked up a lot of skills later on um, as I went through business school. But, you know, I think, too, as a woman in the workplace um, and things have changed in the last few years for the better, um, of course, but, you know, I think providing resources to your female employees to, to grow and learn and uh, being at Accenture, you know, Accenture does a lot of that really great stuff. Um, these sort of experiences were we're open to everyone at all types of companies, but, you know, luckily again, companies are being more mindful about diversity and inclusion. Um, and hopefully everyone can, can benefit
1: from that in the coming years.
0: Absolutely. I hope that as well. What about you, Wen?
1: I would have to say, I think the thing I wish I knew the most was just how key confidence really is to being able to do whatever it is you're trying to do successfully. I I would say I wish I had known that you don't need one to two years experience, as every job description will say. (laughs) Um, The key is really uh, for people starting out, whatever your industry is. To be confident, sure, but to go in and give it your all. Um, People are not looking at entry level for someone who comes in with years of experience and knows how to run the business like the back of their hand, but they are looking for someone who can come in and be organized enough and be thoughtful enough to keep things moving smoothly and figure out a system and figure out, make a place for yourself in that. Um, in that work process. Um, so don't feel like you're coming in at a disadvantage if you don't have every one of the bullet points listed on whatever position it is you're starting or whatever new venture it is you're trying to do. Um, you just go for it and and you know stay on top of it, stay organized and uh, you know, be diligent with yourself until you get to that point where you feel like you actually have, a handle on on the new exciting crazy thing you're doing <laughs>
0: I love that I mean having confidence and just enthusiasm that you bring to your your day-to-day um that is good advice um where can everybody find you both I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to have some follow-up questions and want to connect with you guys so um whether it's Instagram or email or LinkedIn where's the best place to reach each of you
2: I would say the best place for me is email. Um, definitely on LinkedIn too. It might be easier to find me that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, same here. Email is fine. Uh, my LinkedIn is easy to find. There's not too many wins, uh, <laughs> thankfully. So
0: Win for the win. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So we're going to link all that information in the show notes below. Thank you guys so much for being on today. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in.